2: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
3: Good evening. Thanks for joining us. We begin with breaking news. The BC SPCA raided a notorious Langley property today over allegations animals are being mistreated. The SPCA confirms it is executing a search warrant on a property on 216th Street, saying there are concerns animals may be in distress. At least two dogs were seen being taken away. The SBCA says it expects to release more details tomorrow. The home has been the site of past high-profile animal seizures related to accusations of poor conditions and animals not receiving care. We're less than three weeks into the new year and Vancouver has already recorded its second and third homicides of 2020, those suspicious deaths happening this weekend. A man was found dead inside a vehicle in the parking lot of the Marine Gateway Cineplex in South Vancouver just before 8.30 last night. The parking lot and several vehicles there have been behind police tape as officers gather evidence. An SUV was later taken from the lot by police. Officers also stopped and spoke to drivers leaving the lot Saturday night. The VPD says no one has been arrested, but they believe there is no risk to the public. Then, just five hours later, police were called to a Gastown apartment after the suspicious death of a 45-year-old woman. Just after 1.30 this morning, officers responded to a 911 call at this Water Street building. Paramedics tried unsuccessfully to revive the victim. No arrests in this case either. And again, investigators don't believe the public is at risk. Anyone with information on either incident is asked to call the BPD Homicide Unit. Less than three weeks into 2020, two and three murders. And there were 10 murders in Vancouver in all of last year. A Vancouver business owner is fed up and speaking out saying victims of crime these days often have to pick up the tab. He says he's been repeatedly targeted by thieves who vandalize his company's vehicles and that his reports to police have gone nowhere. And to add insult to injury, the city threatened to fine him over one of those break-ins. Jill Bennett explains.
4: Christopher Tyner knows how to deal with toxic spills. It's part of what he does as a director at Moldbusters, but he didn't think he'd have to do it in front of his own home.
5: Someone had basically punctured the fuel tank and drained the fuel out, obviously leaving the, uh, the rest of it to drip out and drain onto the ground.
4: His new work van with a full tank of gas was parked here when it was hit by gas thieves Friday night. Now the van is in the shop with a $1,600 part on back order and likely off the road for more than a month. It's the latest in what he says is a string of increased crime in the area.
5: About two weeks ago, my truck window was smashed out and uh, a neighbor's vehicle was was broken into.
4: Tyner says he reported the gas theft to police, but without any surveillance footage of the crime, there's little they can do. If a witness calls in and sees somebody
6: actively breaking into the vehicle, we will uh, um, attend right at that time. If it's uh, um, a day old or or whatever, it will just get um, done by priority.
4: To make things even worse, Tyner says after a week of being snowed in, a complaint was made to the city about the gas spill. He was then told he had to deal with it or face a fine.
5: In my case, like, I know how to clean these things up, but if it's a normal homeowner, you know they're out 1000 thousand, two thousand $2,000 for something like this, and that doesn't include getting their vehicle fixed or repaired.
4: The city's response, if a spill is on the road, they will usually deal with it. But if the fuel is on the boulevard, the city would not have the means to clean it up and it would be the homeowner's responsibility. Tyner says he feels like he pays more taxes every year and gets less in return.
5: It's not easy being young, uh, running a business, you have to work a second job to to keep things moving. And the taxes that they keep implementing um, along with their involvement with the community is super unhelpful. It's very frustrating. Jill Bennett, Global News.
3: A group of snowshoers spent a long, cold night in the backcountry when they became stranded on Eagle Ridge near Bunsen Lake. As Paul Johnson reports, it was no picnic for rescuers either, hampered by the heightened risk of an avalanche.
2: The beautiful and rugged country above Bunsen Lake inspires adventure and foolish risk-taking as well.
0: Obviously, they were not prepared to be doing what they were doing.
2: It was a party of five, three women and two men in their 20s, who set out Saturday morning to snowshoe along a trail that runs up from Bunsen Lake into the alpine country around Eagle Mountain. In the summer, that trail takes hikers 10 hours to complete. But shortly after nightfall, they made a
0: call. They were lost. They weren't exactly certain where they were so we were able
1: to get up to them.
2: About five hours later, rescuers got to them on foot and started the long task of walking them back out in the dark. Anything you want to say to the search and rescue guys? After giving them warm drinks and dry clothes. While those frigid temperatures have passed, there's still a lot of snow up here. It's wet. This is no place where you'd want to spend an extended period of time without proper clothes poorly dressed and on a not-well-thought-out trip. Rescue managers say they were also missing something everyone should take if headed into country like that in the winter. Avalanche equipment, including shovels and beacons. The Lower Mainland's mountain trails may be easily accessed, but are no less dangerous. Paul Johnson, Global News.
3: The CFO of Chinese telecom giant Huawei returns to the spotlight tomorrow when Meng Wanzhou's extradition hearing begins in B.C. Supreme Court. The RCMP arrested Meng at YVR in December of 2018 at the request of the U.S., which is seeking her extradition on fraud charges. The 47-year-old has denied the allegations. Monday's hearing focuses on whether the U.S. allegations would also be a crime in Canada. If the judge rules this test of dual criminality is not met, Meng will be free to leave Canada, although she will have to avoid the U.S. If the judge finds there is dual criminality, the hearing will proceed to the second phase. That's where the court will hear defence allegations that the Canada Border Services Agency, the RCMP and the FBI conspired to conduct a covert criminal investigation at the airport. The Canadian government says it's keeping the pressure on Iran to involve outside experts in the investigation into the downing of a Ukrainian jetliner that killed everyone on board, including 57 Canadians. Transportation Safety Board officials say during their six days in Tehran, investigators had several meetings with officials from the Aircraft Accident Investigation Bureau. They also visited the crash site and examined some of the wreckage. This week, they'll travel back to Ukraine for further collaboration on the investigation. Canada's foreign affairs minister says he called on his Iranian counterpart to send the black boxes to France or Ukraine for analysis.
7: I would think the wish of the international community that the black box be sent to where they should be sent, uh, whether it's Ukraine, and I know France has offered to uh, uh, its expertise, to make sure that uh, uh, we have uh, proper technical expertise when the black box would be open, and that be done in a very transparent Uh manner.
3: Meanwhile, the bodies of 11 Ukrainian citizens killed were repatriated to Kyiv today. Nine were crew members of Flight 752. Iran says the plane was mistakenly hit by an anti-aircraft missile. An honor guard carried the coffins into the airport terminal, where they remained throughout this evening for mourners to pay their respects. There has been so much pain, so much suffering. Fifteen of the Canadian victims were from B.C. A memorial was held at the Jewish Community Centre in West Vancouver this afternoon. Hundreds waiting to pay homage to the 57 Canadian citizens and 29 permanent residents killed. Thirty of them have been buried in Iran, and Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said this week families want some 20 victims to come home to Canada. To the ongoing pipeline conflict in north-central B.C., more politicians have visited the camps outside Houston set up by those opposed to the gas link pipeline project. But Premier Horgan was not one of them. Instead, two prominent Green Party members were there. Sarah MacDonald has more from Smithers.
8: (laughs)
9: With every stroke of the saw and each strike of the hammer, opponents of a hotly contested multi-billion dollar pipeline project are leaving little doubt they're dedicated to stopping shovels from going back in the ground on indigenous soil.
7: It's unwavering, and I think we're the community is standing beso- behind the hereditary chiefs
9: 100%. Some political muscle also being lent to the fight of the hereditary chiefs of a nation.
8: We're not stubborn, we're just right
9: standing in fierce opposition to the $6.6 billion natural gas pipeline supported by the provincial, federal, and elected First Nations governments and the Canadian courts.
0: This project is not welcome on our territory. We have our own process, our own laws. We're not breaking any laws.
9: With the RCMP now poised to enforce an injunction at any time, mandating the removal of any obstructions to construction, politicians are publicly standing with the chiefs defying it.
2: We've got a very complex legal framework in this country, one which recognizes indigenous law, one which recognizes indigenous law on this
7: particular landscape. This is about our dignity.
9: Provincial and federal Green Party members visiting ground zero in the standoff over pipeline politics, pitting the Canadian legal system against Indigenous law.
7: I empathize with the RCMP to be put into this situation. This is a a failure of politics that that we have this conflict here in this community and in this region.
9: It's face time and dialogue these leaders have so far been denied. Repeatedly refusing consultation with the energy giant eager to resume work on unceded territory every
10: avenue has been taken by the Wet'suwet'en we've spent the last year
9: working really hard at trying to resolve
10: this issue
9: with no resolution in sight all eyes remain on Wet'suwet'en with all sides digging in and determined to stay but the question remains for how long as work and dialogue remain stalled the premier omitting this highly polarized part of northern bc on a recent tour of the region Sarah McDonald, Global News, Smithers.
3: And our Legislative Bureau Chief Keith Baldry joins us now live. Keith, the Premier is getting quite a bit of flack for not meeting with the protesters.
7: Yeah, it's interesting. I don't think there was ever a hope or chance for the premier to meet with the protesters because premiers simply don't do that. I've never heard of a premier meeting with people who are wanting to defy a court injunction. So he was up there and he did meet with First Nations leaders uh, from a number of First Nations, including First Nations who support the pipeline. But there was never a chance of him meeting the hereditary chiefs. In fact, he said last week at a news conference here uh, that, uh, Colleen, that he doesn't think the hereditary chiefs have any legal standing here to block the pipeline. So he signaled his intention, I think, last week. He says the rule of law must be obeyed and the rule of law is set by a B.C. Supreme Court judge. You're never going to see a premier disagree with that.
3: Yeah, he's been very clear about that. Keith, mm-hmm. our province has also lost a dedicated and long-time public servant in Ted Hughes.
7: Yes, very sad. Died uh, at the age of 92, lived a long and rich life. But I've got to tell you, I've, I've known him for more than 30 years. He's a man known for basically the symbol of integrity, uh, a guy who's uh, seen the ultimate fairness uh, arbiter. He's been involved in a number of uh, high-profile situations. He started out as a very senior judge in Saskatchewan, moved to B.C., became the deputy attorney general. Uh, his report on former Premier Bill Vanderzam led to his resignation. He became B.C.'s first conflict of interest commissioner held that post for a number of years he's taken on special projects since then a very highly regarded well thought of member of uh, the local community here but also the larger political arena not only here but in saskatchewan and manitoba as well where he also did a lot of work so he'll be greatly missed but again uh, age 92 ted hughes is gone and we're all the worse for it
3: a life well lived all right thanks keith Thousands have signed an online petition demanding the Transportation Ministry make safety improvements to a dangerous stretch of Highway 97 in the Okanagan. As Shelby Tom reports, it comes after a crash last week on the highway that left one person dead and another seriously injured. It's a busy stretch of highway that can
10: become dangerous and even deadly during extreme weather.
7: It's kind of ugly most times of the year when it snows this bad.
10: Highway 97 north of Summerland, the scene of a fatal accident on Thursday. The passenger of a sedan killed when the driver lost control and crossed the center line into the path of an oncoming semi. Police say winter road conditions did play a factor. The tragedy prompting Mick Harper to launch this online petition, demanding the province install safety barriers on Highway 97 to separate northbound and southbound traffic between Summerland and Peachland.
2: When it happened, I just shook my head and I, I I can't believe nothing's been done about it.
10: The petition garnering more than 10,000 signatures in the first 48 hours. Drivers we spoke to agree safety on this highway is a major issue.
0: To have a, the highway divided to keep people from sliding across the center line is probably never a bad thing. If they can't maintain the ice in the highway then absolutely they should put a barrier up.
10: Motorists say people need to also slow down and drive to conditions. Drivers don't drive safely when the road conditions are bad.
7: Some enforcement. People speed uh, ridiculously on that highway. People just go screaming down there and not realize that you have no stopping power at that grade.
10: It hits close to home for Sally Manning, who lost her friend after her vehicle plunged into Okanagan Lake. I know she was not driving fast. It's just black ice. It's nice to have the very air though. Summerland Mayor Tony Boot says while she's not sure median barriers are the answer to issues north of Summerland, she has lobbied the provincial government to install more lakeside concrete barriers like these ones south of the district to prevent vehicles from exiting the highway and entering the lake.
2: I've received plenty of messages, dozens of messages from people who uh, would like to see that happen as well.
10: The Ministry of Transportation says an engineering analysis is underway to determine the feasibility and cost of installing more median barriers. Shelby
3: Tom, Global News. First we have some breaking news. We are getting word of a serious crash involving pedestrians in downtown Vancouver. Witnesses say a truck hit two pedestrians at Pacific and Richards just after 5.30 tonight. The drivers stopped. The pedestrians have been taken to hospital, but so far no word on their condition. The area is close to traffic as Vancouver police investigate. At The Vancouver Park Board will meet tomorrow night for the first time since Oppenheimer Park earned the dubious distinction of recording the city's first murder of the year. The rapidly deteriorating situation at the tent city encampment is not officially on the elected body's agenda, but as Kristen Robinson reports, many say it should be.
8: It's been almost two weeks since the Strathcona Business Improvement Association wrote the city and park board calling for action on Oppenheimer Park after a fatal attack at this encampment.
6: We need to hear from the parks board on what the plan is.
8: The park board will hold its first meeting of 2020 on Monday. The state of this downtown Eastside Park not on the public agenda.
6: This is a public issue. The businesses around the park are being affected. They've earned the right to hear uh, from their elected officials and what's going to happen. Important addition to green space. In
8: the the park Vancouver City Park down Board down is the, the only park. elected body of its dent? kind in Unlockable, Canada with exclusive possession, jurisdiction and control uh, over more down than down 230 south. public parks. Its mission, to provide parks to benefit all people, communities and the environment.
9: Having people live in the park is not our mandate or what we're supposed to be doing.
8: Trisha Barker is one of two commissioners who fought for an injunction to clear the camp. The park board majority voted against it, favouring a solution based on First Nations reconciliation.
9: It gets out of control very, very quickly. The activists and the violent crime move in, and that's where the problem is now.
5: When are you going to take
0: action on Oppenheimer Park? We are doing our best at Oppenheimer Park. We passed a motion that we would work with a third party to come and help with the people to find them housing.
6: I don't know what that means, and I don't know when that party, a third party assessor will be named.
0: Would we see a similar tent city allowed to exist at Vanier Park or Kitts Beach?
9: Uh, No, I don't believe we would because it's always been our practice here to clear out any people that are making their homes in a park.
8: Oppenheimer's playground now hidden somewhere in a sprawling tent city, where it appears anarchy rules and the province has no authority.
11: It falls within the jurisdiction of the city of
0: Vancouver, as so I understand it. In particular, the Parks Board.
8: The ball back in the Park Board's court. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Two Sunshine
3: Coast teens, credited with saving the life of a senior last fall, are being honored for their efforts. Jacob Thornton and Nolan Johnson received Good Samaritan awards from BC Emergency Health Services today. Last October, the 16-year-olds were dirt biking in Pender Harbor when they stumbled upon an SUV hanging off the edge of a logging road. Inside was 90-year-old Paul Jones, who'd been trapped for three days without food or water after the road gave way while he was out for a drive. The teens called 911. One of them fetched water, while the other stayed with the senior until ambulance
1: crews arrived. I'd certainly sure like to say once again how happy I was to, to see these two lads.
5: We're basically just going to this new trail, and we've seen this car in the ditch, and you were wondering if somebody was in it. I saw a hand just in the window. Mm-hmm.
7: Two tires were off the ledge, so it's about to flip. Thanks so much. We've uh, we're making sure we, we we put him on a leash now, so he can't, <laughs> go, he can't go too far. And uh, and his car actually has a GPS unit, so you know if it ever if he ever wanders off again, hopefully someone can track him that way. <laughs>
5: so. Thank you so much. Both of
1: you guys
3: The federal government is sending Canadian Armed Forces to help Newfoundland and Labrador after an historic blizzard. Many residents are digging themselves out from a monster snowstorm. States of emergency remain in effect for St. John's and several other communities. Environment Canada is warming, warning that another 15 centimetres of snow is expected tonight and tomorrow. They've asked for help from the Canadian Armed Forces, and it's coming. Defence Minister Harjit Sajjan says there will be up to 200 military personnel on the ground by the end of the day, with more to follow. A controversial arrest at a Walmart in Halifax last week. Santina Rayo says that she was racially profiled and accused of stealing, then tackled by police. As Alicia Dross reports, the incident has left many in the African Nova Scotia community outraged.
6: Like many in Halifax, Councillor Tony Mancini has watched the video of a mother being tackled by police in a Walmart.
10: It's disturbing to see, uh, you know, uh, two officers take down a young woman.
6: The woman in the video, Santina Rao, alleges she was racially profiled and says she was left with severe bruising after the incident. Now Mancini is requesting the Board of Police Commissioners get briefed on Monday about how and why this happened.
10: Uh, I want to understand, is that the right procedure? I'll be asking, you know, if you were to do it again, would you have done it the same way? Is there something that went wrong? A lot of people feel that it was wrong.
6: Among those people is Rayo's sister, Marina. What happened was egregious and was really abhorrent. It shouldn't have happened, it shouldn't happen to anybody. Marina Rayo was with dozens of people protesting outside the Walmart Friday evening and says she wants to see something done. There should be more, uh, I guess, consequences with people that do these sort of things, and just instead of just getting away with it. Meanwhile, Mancini says he's not making any judgment about the incident until he has more information.
10: The job of the Board of Police Commission is to be an overseer uh, of the police department. So when an incident like this happens, uh, we need to make sure all eyes
3: are on it uh, for uh, both sides of the equation.
6: Alicia Drouse, Global News,
3: Halifax. Two police officers were killed and this afternoon in Honolulu, Hawaii, during a shootout with a man who was reportedly being evicted from his home. It's been reported the man then set fire to the home and that spread through an ev- exclusive neighborhood near Waikiki Beach. The blaze was so intense you could see the thick smoke rising from near the base of the iconic diamond head. The suspect reportedly stabbed his landlord and then opened fire on responding police officers killing two. It's believed the suspect, who had a history of violence, also died. SpaceX passed the last big test of its crew capsule this morning when NASA held an emergency escape drill in the skies above Cape Canaveral. Three, two, one, zero. Ignition. Lift off. high. Aim high. The Falcon rocket blasted off from Florida for the test flight. More than a minute into the flight, thrusters on the capsules with a pair of mannequins on board propelled it up and out of harm's way as the rocket engines deliberately shut down and the booster tumbled out of control into a giant fireball. Today's test was the last major hurdle for SpaceX before it starts launching astronauts into the International Space Station, and that could happen as soon as March. NASA astronauts have not launched from the U.S. since 2011 when the space shuttle program ended. We've got more on that breaking story. Pedestrians struck in downtown Vancouver. Witnesses say a truck hit two pedestrians at Pacific and Richards just after 5.30 tonight. The driver did stop. Emergency health services say two people were rushed to hospital, one in critical condition, the other in serious condition. The area is still close to traffic and we will keep you updated on this story.
1: What I want to make clear is we're not walking away.
3: New video. Prince Harry explains his decision to step back from his role as a senior royal. We're going to have that right after Yvonne's forecast. And Yvonne, you and I were just talking how it's nice that things have calmed down a little bit. Yeah,
11: we're changing, uh, changing gears a little bit. We've had snow gear and now we'll need the rain gear again. Get out those wellies and I'll show you why. We do have a significant amount of rain that is going to start to push in on and off for the week, work week, but I'll outline that in just a moment. A quick glance overlooking the bridge right now. Temperatures have been mild today. We're sitting at seven degrees. It's dry out of the airport. We've got a bit of a break in between systems and an easterly wind at 9 kilometers per hour. A glance at some of the numbers and temperatures so they've bumped up. We're even seeing double digits and a few spots. So if you're traveling along the sea to sky, still tracking snowfall and the risk of freezing rain more in just a moment. But we are going to see another push of moisture and that's going to move in starting for tomorrow morning. Temperatures on the Almanac today, much different in comparison to what we saw last week. We got up to 9. Average for this time of the year sits closer to 6 and a record on this day of balmy one 15 degrees was set back in 2005 a few warnings that are still in place if you're heading along the pine pass areas near williston 15 and up to 25 centimeters of snowfall the north coast inland areas near terrace a significant amount of snow the potential to see blowing snow and then for tomorrow morning and early afternoon the risk of freezing rain and there is the risk of freezing rain along the sea to sky if you're heading closer to pemberton That's We'll be looking at uh, some instability this evening. So by tomorrow morning, heading out to work and school, it is going to be a soggy one. The next wave of moisture, it'll be a series of storms pushing in across the south coast. Milder temperatures, it'll be falling as rain. Moves in through the day, 10 and up to 20 millimetres for most areas across Metro Vancouver. And then that same system is going to push towards the east and we'll be looking at snow on Tuesday if you're heading into both the central and southern interior. The concern this evening for the Pine Pass, an additional 5 and up to 10 centimetres Risk of freezing rain for the Coquihalla, Allison Pass, and then the Connector. It's just flurries for this evening. 10 and up to 20 millimeters by tomorrow night. That's the first wave that we're going to see. And most areas near the peace. Still quite chilly, but it is on the dry side. Wind chill through the day tomorrow. Closer to minus 21. White horse tomorrow, the winds will pick up. Southerly at times, up to 20, minus 15 as the high. It's still quite blustery. Wet and windy along the north coast. And we are looking at snow inland, areas near Terrace, and then changing over to the risk of freezing rain. Caribou and Central Interior, a nice break between systems, partly cloudy, winds tomorrow up to 30 kilometres per hour, snow moving in as early as the morning and then continuing through the day on Wednesday. Columbia and Kootenai will see that push of snow tomorrow night and then changing back over to rain on Tuesday. The Thompson Okanagan will be looking at a few flurries. Temperatures will be up to two for tomorrow. It's very light in terms of precipitation. And then snow and heavy at times will be on Tuesday. The concern, if you're traveling along any of the mountain passes, is when we'll be seeing a significant amount of snow once again. Risk of freezing rain if you're traveling near Pemberton. That's this evening and for the early morning hours. And then most areas, it's wet snowfall changing back over to rain for both Tuesday, Wednesday. Along the island tomorrow, we'll see the rain heaviest for the morning hours, easing off to showers towards the afternoon. And it's really waves, a number of systems that are going to move right across the south coast. Your school day forecast, so grab that rain gear once again, but it is going to be mild. Temperatures around the lunch hour will be sitting at 7 and after school will be sitting at 8 degrees. It's our five-day forecast. So it is going to be soggy, but a significant change in comparison to what we're seeing last week. Tomorrow, 10 and up to 20 millimeters. A soggy one, Colleen, but maybe a much-needed break for many, I'm sure. You are right. Time for the wellies. Thanks so mm-hmm. much, Yvonne. Prince Harry is speaking out for the first
3: time since announcing his and his wife's Meghan's decision to split from the royal family. The couple has posted video from a speech Harry made in London tonight at an event for a charity he founded 14 years ago. Here's some of what he said.
1: I must say that I can only imagine what you may have heard or perhaps read over the past few weeks. So I want you to hear the truth from me. Once Megan and I were married, we were excited, we were hopeful and we were here to serve. For those reasons it brings me great sadness that it has come to this. The decision that I have made for my wife and I to step back is not one I made lightly. It was so many months of talks after so many years of challenges. And I know I haven't always gone it right, but as far as this goes, there really was no other option. What I want to make clear is, we're not walking away. And we certainly aren't walking away from you. Our hope was to continue serving the Queen, the Commonwealth and my military associations, but without public funding. Unfortunately, that wasn't possible. I've accepted this. Knowing that it doesn't change who I am or how committed I am. But I hope that helps you understand what it had come to that I would step my family back from all I have ever known, to take a, to take a step forward into what I hope can be a more peaceful life.
3: And here's a little more information on the situation with Meghan and Harry. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex are classified as internationally protected persons. So technically, the Canadian government must provide them with security when they visit. But their new deal with the Queen is raising questions about how much time they'll be spending in Canada and just how much their security will cost to Canadian taxpayers. Canada's public safety minister says the federal government is still assessing Canada's role
2: as we do in, in every case, if individuals require um, security, that's all de- ter- determined by a very thorough assessment, uh, assessment by our officials um, to determine what's necessary and, and what the costs might might therefore be. Um, but, but again, that determination has not yet been made.
3: Meanwhile, Megan's estranged father is offering some blunt scrutiny of the situation. In a recent interview, Thomas Markle accuses his daughter of cheapening the royal family and says he's embarrassed that she and Harry made this decision.
8: She actually got every girl's dream. Uh, Every young girl wanted to become a princess, and she got that. And now she's tossing that away for, it, it looks like she's tossing it away for money.
3: Markle's relationship has reportedly been strained with Meghan since she married Prince Harry. He is also set to testify against the royal couple in a lawsuit involving the Daily Mail's publisher after private messages between father and daughter were published. All right, Barry Scott Sports, and I know you're going to be talking about the Super Bowl. The only thing I know about the Super Bowl is that J-Lo and Shakira are performing.
0: Yes. Looking forward to a that. A couple of weeks in uh, Miami, the Super Bowl Yeah. All right, thanks very much, Colleen. It's uh, been a while since either the Packers or 49ers made it to the Super Bowl. San Fran was there and lost seven years ago against Baltimore back in the Colin Kaepernick era. The uh, Packers won it nine years ago against the Steelers. One of them gets back in today. 49ers, certainly the favorites. They've got the home field advantage and the fact that they destroyed the Packers earlier this season. Jimmy Garoppolo, 49er quarterback, second playoff start. Aaron Rodgers, Packers quarterback, 19th playoff start. 49ers strike first, third and eighth, and they cross up the pack defense Raheem Mostert busts it all the way 36 yard touchdown and it's 7 nothing, San Francisco and that would be a common theme throughout this one San Francisco chewing up the Packers along the ground 49er defense followed that up they sack Aaron Rodgers Nick Bosa takes him down here and that would lead to a field goal 10 nothing, 49ers second quarter Niners strike again one more time. It's Mostert nine-yard touchdown. San Fran dominating, seventeen nothing lead. They weren't done yet in the first half. Now twenty to nothing inside the final minute. More from Mostert late in the half. He will burst through huge hole, an eighteen-yard touchdown. Twenty-seven nothing, 49ers at the half. Third quarter, guess who? Raheem Mostert with the instant replay galloping in for his fourth touchdown of the game. He's over 200 yards for the day. The Niners literally grinding the pack into the ground. 37-20 very late in the fourth. It hasn't been that close and 49ers have pretty much done it on the ground. AFC Championship, Tennessee Titans looking for a third straight road playoff win at Kansas City. They've already knocked off the Patriots and Ravens on the road. Titans had another strong start. Rushing champ, Derrick Henry, 247 pounds. He is a beast, takes the direct snap. Four yard TD run, 10 nothing Titans. They scored in their first two possessions, but the Chiefs answer late first, Patrick Mahomes. Little shovel to Tyreek Hill. It's an eight yard touchdown. And that made it 10-7. Second quarter, Titans cap a long 15-play, nine-minute drive on this trickery. A one-yard TD pass to the offensive lineman, Dennis Kelly. It was 17-7 Titans, but we know the Chiefs can come back. They roared back from 24 down against Houston, and they do it again. Mahomes 20 yards to Tyreek Hill for his second touchdown. And then Mahomes showing off his MVP form from a year ago. An incredible run. Looks like he might step out of bounds, but just keeps going and going. A spectacular 27-yard run for the touchdown, one of the best we've ever seen in the playoffs. 21-17 Chiefs at the half, and then in the fourth quarter, Chiefs add to the lead. They cap a long drive with this three-yard Damian Williams touchdown run. Casey once down by 10, are now up 11, and then they seal the deal. Mahomes to Sammy Watkins. Watkins pulls away and takes it in for the touchdown. As the uh, Chiefs win at 35-24, they are going to the Super Bowl for the first time since 1970. That's right, 50 years, a half-century apart. They did win that one over Minnesota. Afterwards, Chiefs tight end uh, Travis Kelsey put it all in perspective. It's been seven
1: years coming, baby. I learned one thing since I've been here. You gotta fight!
0: Might have been doing a little partying since uh, that quote there a few hours ago. It's uh, been a devastating last few months in Australia with all of the wildfires. It's still ongoing, and there's been a lot of discussion whether to even go ahead with the first tennis grand slam of the season, the Australian Open in Melbourne. Smoke was an issue for the players in qualifying last week, but the tournament is going ahead. And with the 19-hour time difference from Vancouver, it's already Monday down under, so it's game on. And Canada's Denis Shapovalov playing the first match taken on Martin Fucevic of Hungary. Opening set. Dennis moving well, big forehand here, and then the put away at net, but he was broken in that opening game, and Dennis really Didn't find his form very well. you got to credit the Hungarian. Hits the winner here down the line and won the first set six games to three. Dennis struggling to find the consistency but did battle through and will bang the ace here to take the second set in a tie break. But he lost the third set. He is up a break in the fourth, but he's got his work cut out for him. Milos Raunas just hitting the court today. Felix Auger, Aliassim, and Vasek Pospisil don't play until tomorrow.
1: Put a new spin on family time with the all-new Harlem Globetrotters Pushing the Limits World Tour. Don't miss the one and only Harlem Globetrotters coming to Vancouver, Abbotsford, and Nanaimo with high-flying dunks, hilarious stunts, and family moments that will have you on your feet. Catch James Taylor coming to Pepsi Live at Rogers Arena and Savon Hoots Memorial Center. Be there as the multi-Grammy award-winning performer graces the stage with his all-star band and with special guest Bonnie Raitt. With a show in Victoria and Vancouver, it's guaranteed to be an unforgettable evening.
0: Welcome back. The Canucks have hit their eight-day All-Star break in first place in the Pacific, and it is well-deserved. The Canucks reeled off their eighth straight home win last night, a dominant 4-1 victory over the Sharks. Canucks have won 11 of their past 14 and will begin the post-All-Star schedule in first unless Vegas wins its final game early next week. But the Golden Knights have played two more games. If you're a Canuck fan, you have to be optimistic this team can get into the playoffs and maybe do something. Bo Horvat. Playing very well these days, as is uh, many of his teammates. Second period, Horvat sets up the opening goal. Pass to Tanner Pearson. He fans on it, but right to Louis Erickson, who knocks it in. That line has been very productive. Uh, Louis' fifth, playing his best as a Canuck, I would say. one nothing after two. Third period... Jake Vertanen, hard pass tipped in by Tanner Pearson, who's playing a lot like the guy who helped the L.A. Kings win the Stanley Cup back in 2014. 2 nothing, Vancouver, now 3-1 Vertanen. Another superb pass to J.T. Miller, who fires in his 17th. Eight straight home win for the Canucks and a 4-1 final. They'll take on St. Louis a week from Monday, but there they are. It's tight, but they're first place at the All-Star break.
7: We're in a good spot here. Like I said, lots of work left. and uh, We've got some big games down the stretch. And, um, it'll be a good break for us guys to get some rest, uh, you know, even more mentally and physically, just to get, get that kind of refresh feeling, come back after the break and be ready to go. And sometimes uh, a win like this can really give you a boost coming out of it.
0: And it's just a progression of our team. Uh, I think we're learning how to win in different areas of the rink, being better in different areas of the rink. Um, you know, and it's nice to see from our group right now. Bruins and Penguins from Pittsburgh. Penguins having a good year despite the fact Sidney Crosby's been hurt for a lot, as has Malkin, but Boston led 3-0 at one point, but then Crosby, little cheeky pass between the legs there to Teddy Blueger, Second assist on the day for Crosby made it 3-2, and then early third shorthanded Brandon Tanev over to Jack Johnson, who powders one past Yaroslav Halak. It's 3-3, and then the Pens complete the comeback. Evgeny Malkin forcing the turnover. Great pass to Brian Rust, who hammers it past Halak, who literally didn't see it coming. 4-3 Pens win. They have the fourth-best record in the NHL. They're just four points back at division-leading Washington Capitals. Vancouver Giants had won their first two games this weekend against Victoria, but ran out of gas today. Kamloops, that's a good team, first place in the BC Division. shut out Vancouver 4-0. Final round of the LPGA Tournament of Champions from Florida. Brooke Henderson five off the lead when the day began. On the 16th, Brooke needs to make up some ground. She's three back, pulls out the driver on the 330 yard par four. Amazing. 330 yards, she drives the green. She would make a two-putt birdie, and she was just Two shots within the lead. Not many on the LPGA Tour can hit it like Brooke. What a great shot that was. And then on 17, Short little birdie putt on the par 5. Got her to 12-under, but she was one short of a playoff, but a solid tie for fourth to open her 2020 season. The playoff went five holes. Still nothing settled. Darkness set in. So Gabby Lopez of Mexico and Nasa Hataoka of Japan will resume tomorrow morning to decide a winner. PGA Tour in Palm Springs for the American Express. Andrew Landry had a six-shot lead with six to go. He made three bogeys. Others made birdies. But that clutch putt on 17 gave him a one-shot lead on Abraham answer, and then for good measure on 18, Landry knocks it to six feet, makes another birdie, 26 under, two-shot win for Andrew Landry, a second of the PGA Tour career and top Canadian Michael Giglick of Ontario, 11 shots back. Always throw in the child running to the dad for the win. It's a great shot.
11: Here's a look at your snow report for tonight. Whistler Blackcomb with 13 new centimeters, two for Grouse, 11 Cypress and Sasquatch, a base of 253. Manning Park, a base of 170, 5 new centimetres for Revelstoke, 10 for Fernie, and 2 for Kicking Horse. Big White, 3 new centimetres, Silver Star, base of 220, 1 new centimetre for both Sun Peaks and Apex. Mount Washington, 21 new centimetres, a base of 158, 10 centimetres for Whitewater, 6 for Red Mountain, and Powder King, 15.
3: Okay, a man police say has been hiding in a Washington State grocery store for weeks has been captured on camera, stealing, no kidding. (laughs) Surveillance video from the store shows the suspect wearing black clothes and a face mask. Officials say that they were first alerted to the suspect on Christmas Day after the store reported a robbery. Police found evidence that someone accessed a vent in the roof and later discovered a length of rope near the entry point. Employees <laughs> reported hearing footsteps overhead and seeing a man's legs dangling <laughs> That's a good from clue. the ceiling. <laughs> That's <a good> <laughs> in addition to searching the rafters, police are using heat mapping infrared cameras and a K-9 unit to try to find the suspect. But so far, they have not.
0: We spent probably about four and a half hours uh, up in the rafters trying to hunt this guy down. It's very difficult. There are many many uh, little hiding places where he could have been:
8: I think this that's guy's rising. Uh, I'm, I'm
0: cheering for him not to get caught. I know he should pay it all back, but that's incredible. You know? It's like trying to find a, like a raccoon in your <laughs> attic or something <laughs> Come guy's good. Right.
3: Thanks for joining us. Jordan will be here at 11 o'clock. I have hear a great I am, night. <laughs>